I'm very excited to be here. I appreciate each and every one of you for taking a few minutes out of your Sunday to be in church, be in a place where God can touch you. I know he can touch you outside of these walls, but it's, there's something about getting out of your own home, getting in a place to where God can do something special in your life. And uh, it's amazing because I never, ever, ever want to take this pulpit or any gift uh, for granted. Uh, I've made that mistake in my life before, and it, it's just something that uh, when I was sitting in worship, I, it was kind of just deposited in my heart. And uh, this little message, and I just want to, at first, I want to, while you guys are looking for Philippians chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, you've got your phones, you've got your iPads, you've got all those things where uh, Bible Gateway is a great uh, place, BibleHub.com, wherever you want to look, if you don't have the little app, the in your phone, get it. It'll work. Uh, that way you always have your Bible with you. Uh, and you can look cool because you can do it on your phone. No, I'll just play it. But uh, no, seriously, Philippians 4. But I want to just encourage the church something this morning that uh, the Lord just deposited in my heart when I was sitting here. Is when I took this pulpit or the gifts of God in my own life for granted... I really began to feel distant from God. I began to feel separated from God because I just thought, oh, it's just going to happen for me because maybe of my talent, maybe because of uh, the way I prayed more than others or any of those things that, I, that could come, you know, where you begin to get a little arrogant and less humble. But one thing I want to say this morning is when, when the word of God came into my heart about this was he said, do not get weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And there's people in here today that want to give up, they want to quit, they want to stop doing the will of God, they want to stop doing the things that God has placed in your heart. And I just want to say to you, don't quit, don't give up, don't base what you're doing based on how you feel, don't do it based on how the world looks out there, because I promise you, you're going to reap if you faint not. And the, and the way that God moves is not in the minutes or the days or the moments like we want it to be, because we live in a microwave society where we want everything right now. But God has a plan for each and every one of you. Just because you haven't seen the fruit of it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So don't give up, don't give in, and don't quit. As we get in today, we're going to talk about hope. But again, Philippians 4, we're going to go there. Verses 4 through 7 is the backdrop of this series that Pastor Evan has been in. If you've been a part here, if you've seen it online, if you've had a chance to do, uh, be a part in the, any of this... He begins in Philippians 4, chapter, I mean, chapter 4, verse 4. Let's just begin to read it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you right now for this morning. God, I thank you this word is alive and active. This word is going to be powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It will cause life to well up from inside of us. It will cause us to be more than we ever thought we could be. It will cause us to rise up to the occasion. It will cause us to be able to slay giants with a single rock. It will cause us to be more than we ever thought we were capable of being because of the power that is in you and not the power that lives within us. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So as, as Pastor Evan has been talking about Philippians 4, he's in this series about being anxious. 
and being scared and having anxiety and all of those things. And it's kind of, you know, appropriate seeing how Halloween's coming up and everybody's got masks and, you know, people dressing up like Dracula and whatever. Clowns, you know, clowns is one of those things. When I was a kid, clowns were really cool. Nowadays, everybody's scared of clowns. I watched Bozo. Anybody else watch Bozo when they were kids? I did. I loved it, man. I, that grand prize game, I always wanted to be on that. Throw that stinking ping pong ball. And I forgot what the prizes were, but it was like a camera. It was really dumb. But, man, as a kid, I wanted to win those prizes. I never had the chance because I lived in Lubbock, Texas. So for you guys who don't know me, again, I was born and raised in Texas, in West Texas, where... Uh, there is nothing but cattle and wagons and horses and tumbleweeds. I was just there for the last three weeks, so it's exciting. It's, grown, it's changed a little bit. It's a little more, um, I guess, what would you call it, city than it was when I grew up. You know, we drove John Deere's and all of that stuff. But I got myself a new cowboy hat, so I was excited about that. Uh, yes, yeah, so my daughter got her a Stetson. She was pumped, and then she said, you know what, Dad? I'm so excited to have this hat, but I just don't like hats. I was like, okay, cool. All right. But uh, no, so we're in this, in this series and talking about fear and anxiety, talking about worry, stress. Um, and is there anything in your life that you can think of? Now, you don't have to blurt it out, but that causes you stress and anxiety, that just triggers you to the point where you are like, oh, my goodness, I can't function if I have this going on in my life. Again, for some people, it's clowns. Uh, for a lot of America, it's been that Jeffrey Dahmer uh, Netflix thing, number one you know, video, uh, movie or whatever, the, the series. So if you're into that, it's scared a lot of people. Uh, and then all these horror movies start showing up right about now. Uh, and we get in this, this, this idea of being scared, being in this idea of being broken. But today, my, my plan, and Pastor Evan asked me to talk on something that is the opposite of uh, being scared, or it would what I would call it is the antidote to being scared and fearful and anxious. Not anecdote. It's not from the Reader's Digest. It's not a little haiku. If you ever remember the Reader's Digest, yeah, I got some. I got some laughs. Not anecdote. Antidote, meaning that it is the answer to the problem. It is the solution to your challenges. It is the Uh, evidence of things that are going to begin to be better in your life, not worse. And so if you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with fear, you struggle with things that hold you back or cripple you or have a claw in you, uh, maybe the Bible would call it oppressiveness. Maybe the Bible would call it being locked down or being not in freedom. If that is you to fear and anxiety, I have good news for you today. Because I'm going to begin to talk about hope. And hope, many times in the church, I've experienced this so many times where people, and, and again, this is for people who like to define words real, real well because I love the etymology of words. And they see faith and hope as the same thing, but ultimately the Bible says they are different. And in Hebrews 11, it begins to challenge that and begins to open that up and it begins to uh, say that there are differences in faith and hope. When we begin in, in, in the first part of Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is a substance of what is hoped for. And for you guys who would love to study this out and would love to know Greek uh, or would love to be a part of Greek, the fun part about the word hope is this. 
that in its earliest form, in its earliest form usage in the world, in like, say, the hieroglyphics and all of that kind of stuff, the word actually comes from the idea of a hunter. So we have these, this guy, and they have faith and hope used in different words. And you have a hunter with a wolf, which he's trying to kill for nutrients, for substance, for that kind of stuff. And the arrow is faith, and the target of nutrients is hope. And so we see that there's this little evidence here that says, wait a second, hope is the target. Hope is the place that we place our eyes. Hope is that thing of nutrients that we have to obtain, we have to get, but we can't get it without faith. So now they're working hand in hand. But there is a difference because what is it that we are hoping for in our lives? What is it that is our viewpoint that says, oh my goodness, I have got to get to that that's going to keep me from getting knocked down and falling down on the side of the road every time something doesn't go our way? What is it that's targeted? What is it that's bullseyed in your life that says, I've got to get there so I don't, and I know I'm not going to trip and fall, or as the Bible says, he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death? How many of us want to pitch a tent Camp out right in the middle of the valley of shadow of death and we never keep moving because that target's not in our life. What is that target for you? What is that target that God has put in your life that says, I'm going to keep going no matter what because no matter what bad happens to me, no matter what befalls me, I'm going to keep moving forward. That is the answer to fear and anxiety. That is the antidote to fear and anxiety because it will keep you going when you should stop. It'll keep you moving when you should be sitting down. It'll keep you smiling when you should be sad. It'll keep you happy when you should be beat down. It'll keep you full of the peace of God when it passes all understanding. Amen? So when we look at these things, we also see a scripture in the Old Testament that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody ever heard that scripture? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if that is true, then the opposite is also true. Hope preferred makes the heart well. Hope preferred makes the heart well. How many would like to have a well heart? How many would like to have peace on the inside that passes all understanding? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. A smile again when you should be sad. You know, many of you know I've been through a lot. Many of you know that my life has not been a bed of roses, especially in the last, you know, five years. You know, my, my son has had so many health issues. And then right as he starts to get healthy, my wife ends up passing away over the summer unexpectedly. And yes, that's sad. And yes, it beat me down for a moment, but it didn't keep me there. And the reason why is because I have this target in my life that says, you know what? Christ in me, the hope of glory. God's way of looking at life isn't based on an experience, but it's based on the journey of life. He looks at everything based on a long-term plan and not on a short-term experience. How many of you ever have been kicked to the side and just sat down because of an experience in your life that hurt so deeply that you just couldn't get up? Is that you? Then I'm speaking to you today. Get up. Get up today. Get up and do something for God today. Get up and rise up and say, you know what? In the power of God, I I will allow the Bible and the word of God to quicken my mortal bodies. Because the Bible says that if the same power that dwells in Christ dwells in you richly, it will quicken your mortal body. 
Start accessing the power of God. And yes, I'm using some biblical words, and I could translate it into very earthly terms like this. Like, how many of you guys seen the Rocky movies? I love the Rocky movies, and I could watch them over and over and over and over and over and over. And I'm all, I always go back to this one moment because it just, I just relate to it. I relate to Rocky because I was always an underdog. I didn't have all the best in life. I didn't have all of the, the bells and the whistles. I didn't have everything, but I had heart. And what I lacked in talent, I could overcome with heart. And so I dare you to get some heart. But there's this one part in Rocky Three, where he's fighting Mr. T. And Mr. T's the, the, you know, the end all, the end all. And he's the mocker. He's the, the challenger. And he's bigger and stronger and faster. And he's pretty much knocked Rocky out. And he, Rocky's laying on the ground and he hears Mick say, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up, 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 get busy, get doing the things of God. Don't keep laying on the ground. You are not defeated. You are not, you are not broken. The power of God is there to heal you. The power of God is there to rise you up in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your hurt. Rise up. The fight's not over. The fight's not done until there's no breath left in you. I promise you. And I speak to your hearts today to get up. I speak to your heart to begin to have hope. I speak to your heart to begin to have a target and say, you know what, it doesn't matter. Again, how hard I, or how bad I hurt, how painful this is, rise up and say, God will heal me, but I'm going to keep moving forward. See, my, my hope changed about, I don't know, about 12, 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago. I used to have hope as when I was in the ministry. I went into full-time ministry right out of high school. And my hope was always, well, I'm going to have the biggest youth group. I'm going to have the most bells and whistles. I'm going to be the best preacher. I had all these like ambitions and dreams, and they were great. There's nothing wrong. I wanted to do something for God. But in the middle, I stopped doing things with God, and I started doing things for God. That needs to stop. We've got to do things with God uh, and stop doing them for ourselves. But I, in doing that, I had this goal. And then I started taking everything for granted because it was just coming easy. And uh, for a minute there, I had to sit on the sidelines because there were some character flaws that, that I myself saw. And so I took myself out and put myself a little bit on the sideline because I needed to fix some things. But one thing that I, I began to see in life is it was, my target had to change because I was caught up in what I, I could do or what I could get or what I could see. And if that was all my target was... When my son passed away four times and they revived him, I would have quit and said, you know what, skip you, God, you're done. If, that, if my goals were all about me and all about what made me happy and what made me feel good, feelings are a liar, guys. Acts said that we're not moved by what we feel or what we see. We have to move, move by faith. So faith is actually opposite in many times of what we feel. So if you're basing everything on the way you feel... I would dare to venture that you might not be in faith. Think about that. So when I look at this target and I said, okay, this was about me, all of a sudden my target had to change because I had to begin to remember who I serve and whose identity I actually am encompassing in my life. Am I a Christian or am I a Stephen? 
Do I handle the love of God, the will of God? Do I have the very DNA of Jesus Christ living on the inside of me? Or is it just Stephen who's living in this world? I venture to say that the first is far more real than the second. So my, my circle and my, my hope began to change. And my, it stopped being about these goals that I, I could achieve. And it started being to become about this. I've told many young men about this idea. As I said, I wake up every day to become the best father I can be, the best husband I can be. But in reverse order, husband first, father second. And every single choice and every single thing in life began to revolve around that. It began to revolve around, am I being everything that God called me to be as a husband? Am I being everything that God called me to be as a father? And all the other things are just simple gravy in my life. And I have never been happier, more content, more excited, more full of life than when I begin to have a different target. You know, as we begin to read those, we read those scriptures up there. I want to bring out a couple of important things in for Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And it's just ways to begin to receive hope, begin to change that target in our lives. And in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, the Bible's written in a very specific way. It is not written in a way that is just haphazard. It's I've heard many people say, oh, there's so many men that wrote the Bible, and so it's just got so many flaws and errors and all this kind of stuff. And I was, I'm like, okay, you can believe all you would like to, but let's, let's go back and really study, and let's see if it's really true. And most of the time, the naysayers are proven wrong. But this is written in a certain way. It says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And there's an understood you here. This is on the onus is on us to receive Rejoicing in the Lord is our job. There's many places in the Bible where it says this is God's job. It's God's job to heal people. It's God's job to to fill people with his spirit. It's God's job. It's Jesus' job to die on the cross. You're not supposed to die for salvation. You're not the one that's dying on the cross. He already died and he already paid that price. That was their job. Your job is to rejoice in the Lord always. And what's fun is that word literally means to rejoy yourself. So it means that you're going to have to over and over and over and over joy yourself again. When you don't feel like smiling, guess what you do? And some people have told me, well, that's being a put on. And I'm like, well, the Bible says put on the garment of praise. Sometimes you have to put on the characters and the attributes of God even when you don't feel like it. Remember, feelings are a liar. Rejoy yourself always. And I will say it again, rejoy yourself. Then here's another. There's six things in this, just in these, this scripture right here, or in, these, in this set of scripture that Pastor Evans has been talking about, that are ways to receive and change your hope. And the first is to rejoy yourself. Again, the onus is on you. The responsibility is on you. The responsibility is on you to change the way you feel and the way you act and the way you respond to, res- to things that are happening in your life. It's not God's job. God, is, God has already given you the power. 
He's already given you the effort, the spirit inside of you when we receive it. But it's our job to say, God, help me with this. Impart your spirit in these deficits in my life. The Bible says that he's made strong through our weakness. So we're, it's okay to have weakness, but we need him to fill up our deficits and our weaknesses in order to receive all that he's called us to be. Rejoice yourself always. First thing, in order to have hope, in order to, ha- to get rid of anxiety, in order to get rid of scare, being scared all the time, rejoice yourself in the middle of it. To let your gentleness be evident to all. Again, onus on you. Be gentle. How many of you have been gentle all the time to your children, to your spouses, to your friends, to your authority figures in your life, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a principal? Who else wants to be gentle all the time? I'm not. I, I would love to be gentle all the time, but I'm not. But be gentle. Be soft, but not. You can still be you can still be strong and be soft in your delivery. I know, and this, this is for my generation, the church was not gentle to, the, to my generation. And they were hard, they were tough, and, and most of my friends walked away from the church as quick as they could get away because they were just, they told them about all the rules and the regulations, but they didn't tell them about the Jesus that loved them to set them free. They spent all the time talking about the, this, what you can't do, instead of talking about what you can do. And the church wasn't gentle on people. Be gentle in your communication. Be gentle in the way you view people. Be gentle in the way you judge people. Be gentle in the way you judge yourself. Again, it's hard to have hope. It's hard to not be anxious because anxiety comes when we're expecting things to fall apart. Am I wrong? Be gentle with yourself. Tell yourself it's going to be okay. The Lord is with you. He's working out your troubles. It says later on in the New Testament that he works all things to good to those that love him and are called according to, right, not our purpose, his purpose. Now, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Again, the onus is on you. Stop being anxious. Somebody could say, well, Stephen, that's way easier said than done. It sure is, but that doesn't say that it's not possible. The problem is we go in with this idea that's impossible. It's not impossible. It's just difficult. Now, I, I can't go out and pick up a car by myself. Even with all the adrenaline in the world, I can't go pick up a car. That's impossible. But looking at myself and saying, I can be gentle, I can have hope, I can have uh, the peace of God in me, that is possible. So stop thinking that it is impossible. As a matter of fact, if you just read down a little bit further in the chapter of Philippians 4, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That is right there in the same group of scriptures. I can do. Get rid of the I can't and start talking to yourself in the I can form. Because many people simply just think they can't and therefore they don't. Am I wrong? 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Here, he's telling you how to do this. He said, give everything to prayer. Give everything to petitioning. So we, we see this. Like I said, we redo ourselves. We be gentle. We fight anxiety. And again, I'm going to get to fighting anxiety with a scripture down below. So we're going to put a little hashtag right there, and I'll be done shortly. I know it says to pray. So how many of you all have taken times to pray about your problems, praying about your deficits, and Lord, fix me, change me, give me the power and the strength to overcome this. Don't always pray that God removes the problems out of your life because that's not biblical. That's not biblical. What is biblical is that he gives you the power and the strength to overcome the challenges in your life. Again, David would be nobody without Goliath. Job would be nobody without the challenges. I could go on and go on. Moses, Noah, Jesus, they were somebody because not they had, that God removed all their challenges, but it was because they were, the way they handled the challenges that came to them. They were able to overcome. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. We're more than overcomers. That is the word of the Lord. Not that we are victims because we are the head and not the tail, the top and not the bottom, above and not beneath. We are not victims. We're victors. See, there's the big difference here in the idea of the word of the Lord speaking to us. He wants to change our mindset. He wants to change our posture in life to begin to see ourselves as conquerors and not as failures. The devil sees you as a failure. The devil sees you as somebody small and minuscule and this, this big in life. In the Old Testament, it talks about the, the Jewish people. They said, we're but with grasshoppers with these giants. And they didn't enter into everything God called them to be because of the way they saw themselves. Because they didn't see that they are victors. They didn't see that they are above and not beneath. They didn't see the power of God that rests inside of them. And I'm not saying this as, a, as the prosperity gospel and people who say, oh, you just got to do this to get rich. No, I'm talking about this is for you to, to begin to baptize in the idea of the fruits of the Spirit so that you can be gentle and kind, so that the world can see that a living, breathing Jesus Christ lives in each and every one of you, so they can see the evidence of a real God, and not a fake God, a broken God, a bipolar God, but a God that's full of wisdom and knowledge and full of life and full of peace and full of joy and full of hope. That's the Jesus that I'm I'm talking about and you have access to that he didn't leave you hanging he didn't say oh no not you not you you're not you don't have access to this he said he's no respecter of persons fight anxiety pray next be thankful with thanksgiving again be thankful how many of you love to complain about everything How many of you love to, you get some kind of good feeling about seeing the glass half empty? The onus is on you to change that. The onus is on you to begin to realize that even though things don't work out the way we want them to, it doesn't mean that it didn't work out the way that God wanted them to. We serve a God that knows us better than we know ourselves. We serve a God that knows that sometimes my kids love ice cream. At least my daughter does. She could eat ice cream all day, every day. But sometimes she doesn't need ice cream. And sure, it hurts her when I tell her no. 
How many of you have been mad at God because he told you, no, you don't need that ice cream. And you're like, I do. And he's like, you don't. And you're like, I do. And he's like, you don't. And you're like, I do. And you have this argument with him. And then you begin to blame him. And then you begin to hold him responsible and him accountable for something that you didn't need in the first place. I've been there. I'm, everything I'm telling you, I've walked through. I'm like, I get up and talk about it. I have my own psychology and, and sessions and counseling sessions of myself because I'm as guilty as anybody else of this stuff. I have had many arguments with God. I have had told him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. I have done it my way and failed miserably many, many times. Uh, and I've had, I have the scars, the battle scars to prove it. But be thankful Be thankful for the things you do have. Be thankful that you got a car. Be thankful that you have legs to walk with. My son lost his legs from cancer. He can't can't be thankful. Be thankful you can walk. Be thankful for the air to breathe. Be thankful for a nose and ears and, and eyes and all of these things. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. Things aren't as bad as you think they are, I promise you. And last, be in a posture of prayer. So there's these three things. It says rejoice, be gentle, fight anxiety, pray, be thankful, and be in a posture of prayer. And you will be able to overcome anxiety. You will be able to overcome the, the, the pain, the suffering of this world. And you'll be a victorious Christian that the world... See, I, I say this a lot when people hear me preach. I know I haven't preached in this pulpit very many times. But um, Christian is a label that the world used for people that followed Jesus. It was not a term that we belong to. It was those people right there look like Christ followers. And they labeled them. That's where that word comes from. So when you say I'm a Christian, and many times are you or not, because it's, it's like it would be us looking at, like say, the Alabama football team and saying, that's a good football team, or looking at the Detroit Lions and saying, yeah, that's not a good football team. The proof is in the pudding of the labeling that, that, that are, that's being passed out. So what I'm talking to you is, is, is just simple ways to begin to look like a Christian or a Christ follower, that you look like the man that died on the cross that was all God, all man, and that we begin to act and behave and purpose ourselves like him. And so last but not least today, I, wanna, I want to go into this, and because I said fight anxiety, and I want to read the next, chat, next scriptures. It may not be up on the board. It's okay. Scripture, it's verse 8 and verse 9. And I just want to end on this because this will change your life. If you receive it as a prophetic word, as a word that's coming straight from heaven, it will change your life. Again, the onus is on you. And it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, You could add anything you wanted to there that would say good or great or something that exemplifies God, exemplifies the peace of God, exemplifies hope. You say if it's hopeful, if it's target worthy, if it is a good husband, a good father, you can add all of that together and it just ends it with this. Think about such things. You change your mind. 
You change your mind. Not God. It's not God's job to change your mind. It is your, it says, think on such things. How many of us spend so many hours thinking about on what we've failed or what we've done wrong or who we've hurt? Uh, and again, there's repentance and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm, not, I'm just using this as, a, as an example. Or we spend, time, we spend so much time thinking on, I don't know, if you're scared of clowns, you think about clowns. I used to be scared of Freddy Krueger, like deathly scared of him. And I had to do everything I could not to think of that guy. That guy got me. I was, he just, whatever reason, that character messed me up. And I couldn't, I had to stop thinking about such things. And eventually I got over fear because of that. And then in verse 9, he says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice. How often do we come and sit in church? How often do we turn on worship songs on, the, on YouTube or uh, you know, turn on videos on YouTube? Or how often do we pray? We hear God's voice. We hear his plan. We, we hear him telling us to do something. And then we just don't do it. Put it into practice. That's not God saying, I'm going to make you pray. That's not God saying, I'm going to make you love your neighbor. That's not God saying, I'm going to make you be gentle. That's not God saying, I'm going to make you have hope. That's not God saying, I'm going to make you all of these things. He said, those things that you've seen and heard, put it into practice. I know this can be a little tough, but when my wife died... I had a responsibility to either lose everything in me and be mad at God and say, God, you did this to me. You did all of these things. Obviously, you didn't care about me. You wanted me to suffer. Or I could look and say, you know what? My God is bigger than that, and he didn't treat me this way. Uh, Although we live in a fallen world and death happens, the, the the rain falls on the just and the unjust, but also blessings come. If I don't give up in, in, in due season, I will reap if I faint not. That's what the choice I had. That was all I have. Either quit and be and moan and be a victim or look to God and be a victor. That was it. And sure, there were times when I didn't feel like smiling, but guess what I did? Why? Because it's my job. It's my job to smile because eventually I'll be, that smile will become real. Eventually it's going to move from here to here. Eventually, my heart is going to receive what my head begins to think on. And, and, and eventually, my head, my head is the battle place. My thoughts are the battle place. My, right here is the battlefield of the enemy in my life. And I can either give in to being a, a, a loser or I can give in to being a winner. It's my choice. And I know it sounds so like contrived, at least it does to me. And I'm not trying to be cheesy. I really am not because I, 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 don't, I don't get off into all those like Tony Robbins and all that stuff. I'm trying, I'm really trying not to look like or sound like that because that's, a lot of that is just like fake. But what the reason, that, the, what's different between what I'm saying and what Tony Robbins says is he's telling you to do it without the power of God behind it. That's the difference. Because the power of God makes it real and alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to dig down in, inside of me, able to put something inside of me that's real and powerful. 
So when I smile, it's not I'm smiling because I want to be, because I want to put on for somebody. I'm smiling because I want to look like Jesus. There's a big difference. When I don't have hope, I'm going to force myself to have hope. When I don't want to get out of bed, I'm going to push myself to get out of bed. When I don't want to do the things that my flesh doesn't want to do, but the word of God says do it, I'm going to do it because I want to put those things into practice. And anybody knows practice makes what? Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for caring about us. We thank you that you love us in a way that only you could love us. We thank you that we are not just some minuscule little being on the face of the planet. You're up there that you don't care about anything that goes on and you're just like, do what you want to, but that you want to have a real relationship with each and every one of us, that you want to reach down with your hand and have us reach up with our hand and touch and connect in a way that is, is beyond fathomable to our finite minds. And God, I thank you right now, if there's anybody in here who's maybe out of fellowship with you, that maybe doesn't even know you, but I've intrigued them enough, and through your word, it has stirred something in them, and they would like to know you. God, I thank you that you're going to do something special in their life this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are causing this word to dig deep, sit heavy on our hearts and in our minds so that we would put into practice everything that we learned today. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.